You are listening to the Dear Apparition Podcast. I am your guest, Nick Solicito. We are joined today by Rue, Hunter, and Steve. Hey. How you doing? Hey, guys. How you doing? Take it away, boys. <laughs> How was that? Was that... Was that decent? Oh, it was perfect. Yeah. We appreciate you doing the intro for us because we're, we're lazy shits. It's not like we get paid to do this. It's also not like we had a, a whole one month gate break from this. So don't worry. Uh, but yeah, we're, we're on the Dear Apparition podcast. Yeah, we're back. We're back in black. <laughs> as, as you heard in the beginning, we had Nick Solicito with us from uh, the Deer Hunter. Uh, Nick, how's life been treating you? We haven't talked to you in a couple months. It's been a while, but things have been okay. Um, is this your first uh, quarantine podcast? uh i think so actually yeah yeah it is oh. and uh things are very uh very different right now so it, it's it's gonna be quite an interesting few months i think from here on out yeah yeah with that in mind nick how's how's kind of this all treating you uh you know honestly my life isn't too much different in a, in a in a quarantine than it is normally um because when i'm not when i'm not doing deer hunter stuff i'm usually just at home doing you know various house projects or or whatnot yeah i saw on instagram you were doing a lot of like housework how's all that coming along yeah i'm doing a lot of housework um uh yard work now that it's uh warm enough so that's uh that's another thing that's been keeping me pretty busy so the quarantine doesn't really change too much the only thing that's like very different for me is that uh um you know stores are closed so you can yeah. your food options are limited and uh I can't go anywhere to get coffee, so that's, you know, I'm making a lot of coffee at my house. Um, Is the panic buying quite intense where you are? It was for a little bit. Uh, it's kind of tapered off. I actually haven't really been out to a store in probably about a week now, so I'm not really sure what's currently going on. But last time I was there, you were able to get toilet paper. Um, there wasn't much of it, but there was some. Uh I, I can't I can't find hand sanitizer, but I have plenty of soap, so that's fine. I was uh, this whole quarantine's making me take a look at my life because, like you said, my my life isn't that much different. So I was like, oh shit, am I just that boring that a quarantine barely affects me? Yeah, uh, it's I don't know. It's not uh, it's not like my life is unaffected, you know. Uh, but it's definitely uh, it's it's not for me personally. It's not too far off. I'm still kind of doing mostly what I normally do, so. I'm more of a homebody, I guess. Is Because uh, you, you said your wife uh, works. Is she at home during this whole thing, or is she considered an essential worker? She's uh, she's considered an essential worker, so she actually has to, uh, unfortunately, work and go into an office with uh, people who are probably probably exposing themselves to some people with this this whole virus um so so that's interesting yeah the whole the whole essential worker thing is kind of arbitrary it seems like a lot of places that don't seem like they should be essential or pretty essential i don't really know how the whole system works but uh yeah i don't know either um she is definitely essential she's she's a, a director for a uh like a her native american government so she kind of actually really does have work to do in fact she actually probably has more work to do uh during this time just because the her her tribe's kind of going well everybody's kind of going a little crazy but she has to she has to deal with a lot of it so um i feel bad i feel bad that every day she has to go to work and so you, you said she's uh a, like a government official for the tribe do you guys like live on a reservation or anything or i'm I'm also not sure how that whole thing works. No, actually, it's a pretty common misconception, but the the tribe actually doesn't really have a reservation. They do own land, um, but they don't they don't necessarily have a reservation. Yeah. Um, 
but they do have businesses and they do have like a whole system of government that's not um unlike our u.s government um it's the same kind of setup in ways may i ask what uh, tribe she's affiliated with sure she's with the ho-chunk nation um they're a uh wisconsin sort of located tribe i guess there's a few others um they're they're uh pretty directly related to the winnebago tribe oh okay i've heard of those i haven't heard of the the former but i guess my my knowledge isn't very vast so i guess i wouldn't have heard of it yeah i didn't know it before i had met her either it's they're pretty much um pretty much only in wisconsin from what i know um i think there's others maybe in nebraska might be another state that there are a few but they're mostly in wisconsin and i think they're a tribe of about ten thousand people so they're not like a huge oh wow you know, I mean, that seems pretty big to me. Yeah, it's pretty big. <laughs> well, that's pretty cool. Is that why you guys uh, relocated? Because I know you're, you're new to Wisconsin. You just moved there recently. Is that the whole reason you went? Yeah. Yeah, we we basically relocated for her job. We were living in Nashville prior to this. Um, so, But I can kind of live anywhere, although Nashville was great for me as a musician. Um, but, you know, my main gig being the deer hunter, I don't really have to live anywhere, uh, mostly because nobody lives anywhere near each other. So... Um, we have to travel all the time anyway. So yeah, have you guys been finding it's uh, more difficult to do things as a band now that everything's quarantined, or are you basically just doing everything remote anyway? Well, yeah, we when we get together and write and record, we do actually get together. Um, so this is really the first time that we've uh, done the writing and the recording apart from each other. So that was a little challenging. We were actually supposed to uh, be together at this moment, recording and writing, but we at the very last minute basically canceled everybody's flights and uh, just stayed where we were. Cause I think we were supposed to meet up on March 13th and March 13th was still kind of like the turning point of like, yeah. is this really a big deal? How much information do we know? And, but people were definitely starting to really take it seriously at that point. So we just decided to just um, work from home and it's been going well, actually we've, we've gotten a, a decent amount of work done. We probably finished um, probably five songs apart from each other. Nice. Um, so yeah, we're, we're, we're doing pretty good considering. Well, for, for all those who didn't attend the, uh, the Fascio Satio tour, uh, obviously, uh, the band is working on a new concept series called the Indigo child. That's, uh, is a series of records, perhaps with some visual accompaniments in the form of a short film or a movie. Um, so how, how is the, the whole album process going for that? Like it's, are, you said you were guys are about halfway done or uh yeah i'd say we're about halfway done we got together in january and we started writing um i don't want to give away too much but essentially this is it will be a series of albums so we've been kind of loosely writing for a few different albums and uh the first one we are when we got together in january we pretty much finished I want to say 60% of it as far as um, writing and then tracking. We we were going to write only for about three weeks, but we, we got basically like halfway through, um, basically like 10 days in. It just felt like a good time to start recording. So we just set up a bunch of mics and recorded drums. Yeah. And Nick banged out his drum parts in like not long at all. I'd say like four days maybe. And uh, then he went home, and we then started tracking bass and Rob's guitar. And, yeah, I think we finished probably six songs within that uh, 20-day period. And then I think Max and Casey have been working on their own stuff um, apart from us. Oh, okay. 
yeah, Gavin did his tracking too, actually. While I was recording and while Rob was recording, uh, Gavin was just kind of sitting in the room with a, with a MIDI controller and headphones, just, you know, laying down track after track and coming up with a bunch of cool, cool ideas. And I think his parts are mostly done for those first six songs anyway. Would you say that doing these uh, these home remote sessions are kind of making it, I guess, a bit more comfortable to get a kind of like a performance out of, or or do you kind of prefer the the kind of more social aspects of it as well? I definitely prefer the more social aspect of it. Um, I definitely get better takes um, out of me when somebody's pushing me to do better. And uh, I'm sorry, I'm just noticing that it's snowing right now. Wow, that's weird because oh. it was just sixty degrees like yesterday <laughs> okay <laughs> but uh no i definitely prefer tracking in person especially with casey because casey um aside from being a, a great guitar player and, and writer he's really a good bass player and the, the lines that he comes up with are really interesting and they're particularly interesting to me because they're not things that i would normally think of so it, learning his lines or his ideas they're it's kind of like learning a different language and i get to incorporate that in mine as well and we just kind of really feed off each other, I think, really well. Although I'd imagine anybody who records with Casey probably feeds off each other pretty well. But for me, it was just the the best recording process I've personally had. I've got to say that I've I've talked to you guys a lot over the years. And while you always seem kind of excited about your, your next thing coming up, it seems whenever I talk to you guys about this new record, you're all pretty... There's like this kind of energy to it. So it, would you say this, that you're pretty excited to like move on from the old concept and like start building on something new? Is the the music something that's a little better for you or is it just kind of getting on the ground floor of a new concept? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's all of that. Um, I think when, I know when I came on for like Migrant stuff in Act 4 and 5, uh, Migrant, I didn't really have too much of a hand in. Um, I think I only really tracked like four or five songs, but Act 4 and 5, we actually really got to write together, which was great. But we were also, you know, as newer members, we were still kind of limited to that that concept. And that concept, uh, the acts definitely had a, a, partic a particular sound, for sure. Mm -hmm. um, so we were, I don't want to say we were limited to that, but we were definitely trying to work within those guidelines. And uh, But when we did kind of, get out outside of them i think we had the most fun um like songs like um uh what's that song uh, uh king of swords when we wrote that song it's clearly outside of the axe as far right. as you know style but it was just a fun song to track and it kind of came up it came up as like a joke really but um so anyway uh moving forward with the indigo child it was kind of cool to us because we now we didn't really have too much of a sound that we were trying to adhere to we kind of had an idea of what we were trying to do i know we were trying to write more kind of like funky kind of um maybe r&b sounding uh, uh but we were definitely trying to just just do something different for us and mm -hmm. that's been fun and it's really cool because we get to see everybody's um influences like musical influences so for instance with gavin gavin comes up with these ideas that nobody would ever th have thought of it's very you know he'll come up with these really like 80s kind of almost like sitcom inspired synth lines and that's really cool but definitely i wouldn't have thought of that kind of thing um i don't think anybody really would have but it, that just is kind of like a kind of a direct reflection of his upbringing i think um, well, we know that uh we noticed that the acts like have like it they have a sound like a, that kind of vaudeville and loungy kind of whatever sound that kind of i guess defaults back to over the course of the five acts um 
So like, do you guys see that coming much making like coming in and out as much on the Indigo child or is it more kind of like the Indigo child has its own sound kind of like how the acts have their own sound? I think we're still pretty early on in the, um, well, I say we're early on, but we, we kind of have like one full album done, but I think our sound for the Indigo child is definitely still kind of being developed though. I will say it's, it's definitely oh, sorry. My dog is going crazy right now. The mail, <laughs> oh, he's, the mail, he wants to be part of it. It's okay. <laughs> he does. Well, the mailman just came and dropped off my coffee. So he, that's why he's freaking out. But, um, what was I saying? Oh yeah. So we are still developing the sound a little bit and, um, sorry i'm just so distracted by my dog oh that's okay (laughs) we can definitely (laughs) i think to kind of pivot on the point you're making is i i think a lot of us consider this lineup to be kind of the definitive lineup just because uh you know the deer hunter has been known to kind of change lineups periodically but this one really seems like rock solid and so this is Mm -hmm. the first uh not only album really that really gets to showcase all you guys but it's it's a whole new venture so i think i'm pretty excited well, to all see. all should be kind of did that to an extent but this is like yeah a full new concept yeah and i've i've heard that it's it's uh kind of bass heavy so i'm sure you're pretty excited about that and oh uh, yeah it's it's super bass heavy it's uh i didn't realize it was going to be so bass heavy um but i'm pretty excited about it it's uh <laughs> when i have to go and relearn all these songs um it's going to be a, a bit of a challenge for sure. Cause I'm definitely being challenged um, like all over the place trying to make this thing. Um, but it's cool. You know, it's, it's a lot of fun. So, well, the, the burning question here is, do you slap? I, I might slap like a little bit here and there. It's not like I'll slap a whole song or anything. It would be more just to like kind of hit or emphasize a certain note or a certain passage, but it's not, we're, like we're going to need a, slap. we're going to need a 10 minute slap solo from it at some point. <laughs> yeah. There might not be that. There is like a tiny bass solo in one of the songs. Though, so that's pretty exciting. I gotta, I haven't tracked it yet, but I gotta, I gotta really try to make it interesting I guess. do you have uh do you have a favorite i mean obviously we're not going to know what mm-hmm. it is but do you have a favorite song off the new album that you're really excited about uh i don't know if i have a favorite yet um there i think it's gonna really i think once we start putting them into a set list and really start getting really good at these songs i think then i'm gonna have a better answer for you but like right now we we can play the songs um, and they're relatively comfortable by the time we end up finishing tracking them, but they're not like, they're not muscle memory. Like the way like mustard gas is muscle memory. You know, I've been playing that song for years, but um, I've only been playing these songs for like a couple weeks at this point. So, right. um, so we'll find out. And I'm sure there are going to be songs off of this album that are going to be my favorite in the entire discography to play. Um, they're just uh and that's probably going to be true for everybody they're just a lot of fun and they're uh well yeah we know that um we know that you guys were getting kind of sick of like the whole concept of the acts and kind of having that be the basis of your career for a bit so what kind of pushed you guys into making another concept record like did you guys want to make one at all and kind of like what i guess formulated the concept of this indigo child that you guys are embarking on for this journey sure yeah i I think it's more of like a Casey question. He just kind of came to us one day with this whole like story laid out. And uh, he kind of, it was kind of funny because in describing it, he kind of, 
you know that meme of Charlie from It's Always Sunny? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. He's like yeah. standing in front of a whiteboard with all these lines. With Pepe Silvia? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the mailroom uh, episode. Yeah. It's kind of like that where he was just explaining this whole entire world to us in this really intricate story and just like, okay, I mean, that's a lot of information. Uh, but sure, it sounds like you got it well under control. And I think it's, um, I think it's a result of him talking to Erez um, for a while. So when you guys talk to him, that'll be interesting to get his perspective yeah. too. Would it have been of a situation where he could have kind of like said where you guys didn't like it or whatever and could have altered the story? Or is the story kind of like his part that he does and you guys do your instrumentation to kind of match up with it? Like, do you feel as emotionally invested, I guess, in the story? Um, I think, I don't know if any of us really know the story inside and out to really... Um, to really say um but we we do kind of understand we do we do understand like most of what we're trying to uh portray there okay so it's without giving away too much there are definitely different landscapes that we're trying to you know envision so if there's i'll i'll use like a fake landscape but if there's like a reg like a residential landscape um like a neighborhood or something you're definitely trying to kind of you're probably not going to write like a dark synthy sort of heavy thing. You know, you maybe you're at that point writing a more like sunny kind of upbeat sort of sound. So you're, you're matching the, um, so you're matching the soundscapes with the landscapes kind of. Yeah. Yeah. We're trying to, for sure. Um, can we expect things like uh, reprises like we did in the, in the acts? Like, are there callbacks and things like that? Uh, there are, um, currently not currently. I don't think there are any, but there are definitely, like uh i don't know what to call them exactly like themes kind of like themes Mo motifs. motifs they're not yeah. motifs they're definitely like more harmonic themes if that makes any sense um okay. they're my they're basically like kind of harmonic like feelings that kind of reoccur that might kind of remind you of other things there might be like slight chord progressions that are very very similar um but on purpose but I don't think there are too many motifs being repeated yet. And if there are, that's going to be great. That's cool. But as of now, I, I'm, I'm not really thinking of any, um, but we'll see. Um, well, I, I was just curious, uh, cause I know we, I think we said this on the Rob episode, they're all kind of blending into me in like one big experience. But, uh, I know Casey apparently said that when he first wrote act one, that like, he didn't think that he didn't expect there to be reprisals and like motifs, but like there were certain like, themes that he deemed as more important than others like musical themes and melodies so i guess it sure. sounds like kind of what you're doing now with uh with the with the album sure that that kind of makes sense like it wouldn't surprise me at all if there were a bunch of motifs by the end of this thing um i i just think we're still so so early in the the creating of the the world i guess from a musical standpoint that um i don't know if we've actually found any repeating melodies or we haven't even had a a real reason to reuse any melodies at this point. Yeah. I think we're still the basically without, again, without giving too much away, the album that we're currently working on is really setting up the story. It has less to do with the story as it does with the, the world that it's based in. Um, so it's right now it's a giant setup and uh, yeah, we're, there's really nothing reoccurring quite yet, but I bet you there will be. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like it's going to be a lot of fun. Can we, uh, can yeah. we expect to hear any kind of, any new things uh, when you guys come to Europe and the UK? I would imagine so. Yeah, if that doesn't get uh, canceled, then I would yeah. imagine we'll be definitely playing at least two or three tracks for sure. Um, but knowing yeah. Casey, I know Casey will probably want to play like 
a lot more than two or three tracks. I don't know if we will, but we'll see. I know that uh, right now a lot of musicians are, uh, since they're canceling shows and they're kind of quarantined in, a lot of them are doing like kind of, uh, you know, live stream shows mm-hmm. and things like mm-hmm. that. Have you guys ever given any thought to that to, you know, do a little live stream performance or? Yeah, I think there's talk of doing it. The only problem with us is that we're just not anywhere near each other. So to do right. a live stream, it would basically just be Casey doing a live stream, which is cool if he wants to do it he should um but that's essentially what it would be because mm-hmm. we can't really just fly at this point i mean i guess we could uh but that is definitely putting ourselves at risk just to you know i've seen people like give someone like a click like let's say uh nick crescenzo gets a click and then he records the base video and you guys layer that on top of each other and then you do it all in post but you release it sure. as like a live video kind of thing yeah we could do something like that um i think at that point we kind of come down to nick i don't think nick has access to well, I mean, I'm sure he probably has microphones lying around, but he definitely doesn't have like a studio at his house necessarily. It's it's hard for drums. <laughs> well, speaking of uh, speaking of Big Nick, uh, I heard from him that you and you and he are working on something like a, a funk project or something along those lines. Is that kind of like a tentative project, or you guys want to do something with that? Um, you know, we always had this idea, and I don't know if we're ever going to do anything with it, but we. Uh, before I was ever even in the Deer Hunter, we started writing a few songs. We probably wrote like four or five ideas. And uh, they were definitely, it's definitely like electronic kind of funky stuff. It's it's certainly not not worth pursuing. I mean, we should probably do something with it. But it's just, uh, um, it's just one of those ideas that we kind of talk yeah. about, but we never do. But we should. It'd be fun. Um, and But I think he's actually gone off and done a solo album that he's working on and i don't know what yeah he was uh he was telling us the other day that he's working on some solo stuff i didn't know if that had anything to do with the stuff you guys were working on or no i don't i don't think that has anything to do with what i'm working on with him um because i'm not really working on anything with him <laughs> right <laughs> but uh but i would and it would probably be very similar to what he's currently working on so uh what kind of things have you got going on outside of the deer hunter like if if anything i know you uh You've been involved with other bands in the past, like Bored With Four and... Sure, yeah. I haven't really done much um, musically outside of uh, The Deer Hunter in a bit. And currently, I'm not really doing anything else. Um, I'm I'm kind of busy with The Deer Hunter currently, trying to mm-hmm. finish tracking these, these uh, bass parts. I think I have like three more songs left. And then I'm done for a bit. Um, so that'll be nice. But... Uh, then I think we'll just be preparing for the camp if the camp still happens, which I think it will be. I mean, I mean, geez, I, I would think by by late June this this yeah. will all be cleared up, and I hope so because the camp's a lot of fun and it, it would. Yeah. Do you have any uh, information on the camp? Like, is it currently uh, sold out or is it close to it? Or uh, it's not sold out. It would be. Uh, it would definitely be um, something to. Uh, start looking into i think i think um mm-hmm. when we announced it we were i think we announced in what like january or something pretty much right around the time that coronavirus was coming over <laughs> so i think uh, i think it was early february you guys announced it okay yeah so that makes sense um so basically tickets were on sale for like a month and then like <laughs> shit kind of hit the fan with the coronavirus so i think <laughs> so i think people were just like well before i spend the money to go and see this let's like make sure it happens. Cause it's not just, you know, buying tickets to the camp itself. It's usually for a lot of people, it's transportation costs and everything. And right. For some people that's flying. And is it, can you cancel your flight if anything happens? It's, I think there's just a lot of questions, but that being said, there are definitely tickets still available for that. And, um, if it does happen, which it currently is still on, um, I'm really looking forward to it. 
Um, well, I, I know Steve and I were talking about um, me coming up to New York at some point during the camp and doing like a live uh, Deer Operation podcast from the camp. I think we talked, was it Casey we talked to about that? No, we spoke to, uh, I think we spoke to Rob about it. It might have been Rob. And maybe Max, I don't know. Yeah, we we're just we we're just thinking about bringing up some mics and doing like a little a live dap from the from the camp if we can, you know, manage it and stuff like that. Yeah, that'd be that'd be cool. Um, I mean, if we do the camp, we were planning on doing more um, podcasts, uh, more in the style of the ones um, that we were doing on that last tour, where we'll, uh, you know, do questions and do songs and stuff. Oh yeah, and and for for anyone who doesn't know, the Deer Hunter is currently doing uh, a podcast called the Makey Words Podcast, where they uh, uh, they they recorded it on the road during Fasio Asatio, um, and. Uh, they took questions from the audience and now they're doing some more remote recordings where they talk about different subjects and life and stuff like that. So if anyone's interested, you can go check that out. Um, ig- ignore the fact that there are competitors. They're still, <laughs> it's still a great podcast. Uh, there, there's plenty of, plenty of room for podcasts. So, you know, Oh, absolutely. Now we're <laughs> now we're mostly just excited to, to be able to learn more about, cause that's, that's the whole reason we did this was to get to know you guys a little better, help the fans get sure. to know you a little bit better. So any opportunity to do that, I think is, is a great one. Sure. We just like we just um, like to poke fun at you guys. I think me and Gavin were having oh, no. a little, me and Gavin were having a little fight about which podcast is better. <laughs> oh, right. yeah. Uh, you guys probably have the better podcast. We don't really know what we're doing, so we just kind of talk and crack jokes. We basically shit talk each other to our faces. It's not the most healthy interaction, but it's what we. Hey, do. it sounds sounds like what we do with Rue. <laughs> I know the feeling. I know the feeling too well. <laughs> yeah. I feel so bad. <laughs> All that being said, it, we do plan on the uh, the camp still happening, and uh, it'd be cool if you guys were there doing uh, podcast stuff. Um, it's it's a good time, and uh, yeah, yeah, we'll do like we'll do a makey apparition podcast. It'll be it'll be great. Oh, a collaboration. <laughs> yeah, we'll just mix them right together. No, but it's it's exciting, and then you guys are doing the uh, the cruise later on this year, aren't you? Yeah, I would imagine the cruise, despite the fact that it is a cruise, <laughs> I think it's far enough out in the year that I think this whole thing will be um, relatively blown over. So, But yeah, the, the cruise would be cool because it's, uh, it's the Coheed Cruise. And uh, yeah, Coheed's a great band. They have other great bands. Um, I think Thrice is on it. Um, Polyphia is on it, if I'm not mistaken. And... Uh, Oh man, there's a bunch. I would have to look at the list, but there's a bunch of really good bands and cruises are fun. I don't know if you guys have ever taken a cruise, but they're, I have not, uh, from what I hear, they're just basically floating Petri dishes and that kind of, that irks me. So I, maybe I'm a germaphobe a little bit. Oh yeah. It, I mean, yeah. I mean, I guess if, uh, especially right now, it would just be, it would be really <laughs> scary. I'm not dissuading anyone from going. It's just, no, no. I mean, yeah, I wouldn't go now. I think Hunter just lacks the ability to have fun. That's exactly it. I, I take fun and I just I suck it in like a black hole, never to be seen again. That's just that's what I do. Yeah. Well, uh, last last time we talked to you, we we talked a little bit about your uh, your background in music and how you got started with things. And mm-hmm. and although we know uh, a lot of people haven't gotten the opportunity to talk to you, so uh, how exactly did you get started uh, in music? Did you start really young or not too young? I started when I was fourteen years old. Uh, I needed to choose between art and music classes in high school, and music just seemed more interesting to me. So I. Um, I got a bass for my birthday and my dad taught me how to play. And, uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot more to it, but that's how I got started for sure. Do you, do you, uh, find yourself drawn toward the voicing of a bass over like guitar? Cause most, most like, you know, like young 
people start out with guitar just because it's that it's that instrument that everyone wants to play but what was the appeal of the bass for you other than just having one yeah uh the appeal to it um i think i i think i probably was more um drawn to guitar but bass just seemed easier um mm-hmm. of course it's one of those things where it seems easier but once you get into it you realize like it's just as much difficult as any other instrument so um i didn't know that at the time yeah um, yeah i was listening to uh to do you know adam neely the uh youtube guy yeah sure i think one of his reasons for liking bass so much is the amount of control you have over a piece of music like just changing the bass note that you're playing can just influence the overall sound of like a chord for example and is that something that that resonates with you that's like the best way to like invert chords and things like that is to you know mess around with the bass and stuff yeah so you could play like i don't want to get too much into music theory but play a c over a c chord is a c play an a over a c chord you get you know a minus seven like is is that something that fascinates you I suppose, like, at 14 years old, you maybe wouldn't have thought that deeply about it, but is that something that these days you can kind of really appreciate and get, get your head into? Uh, yeah, I think I think I know what, you're, what you mean, though. Um, yeah, bass is... Um, you, have a lot of, you have a lot of power, and you kind of... Um, you can really change how everything kind of goes uh, pretty pretty easily with bass um just changing a root note like so for instance like you said with c you know there's you can play a c under a c chord or you could play an a make it an a minor you can also play an e just to have you know a different root note under it but in doing that you have like a completely different sound but it all works um so that's that's kind of an interesting thing it's fun to kind of um experiment with like uh harmonic limits i guess um of course not every band can just do that you can't just do that in like you know any old you know pop band necessarily but yeah no uh it's uh it's a fun instrument for sure it doesn't always have to just have to be you know hammering on the root notes there's there's a lot you can do with bass um and i think casey kind of set a precedent with the band early on that bass can kind of be like a a counter melody pretty much all the time yeah absolutely Um, so it, it made uh, learning the songs really challenging because you don't necessarily always hear these parts. Um, <laughs> I remember showing up to like the first Deer Hunter rehearsal I was in and, you know, just playing simple songs, even back then that, you know, like Procession or Church in the Dime, there are things that I just didn't learn because I didn't even really know to listen for them because I just, they just weren't apparent to me that they were even in there. And Casey would be like, oh, did you learn this part to this song? And he would play this whole thing. I was like, I don't know what that is. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, there's, it, it's an interesting instrument for sure. Well, that is a nice segue into how, how exactly did you get started with the Deer Hunter? Uh, yeah, Nick Crescenzo and I were um, friends before I was in the Deer Hunter. He had seen me play, um, uh, play a show in New Hampshire with another band and he just started talking to me kind of just um, complimenting me and I could tell him the way he was complimenting me that uh, he was also a musician because he was complimenting like my bass gear and stuff like that and anyway I found out he played the Deer Hunter I had just started listening to the Deer Hunter and uh, we just kind of became friends based off of each other's appreciation for what each other were doing <laughs> and uh, then like a year later they needed a bass player so that's uh, 
that's the gist of it. Well, it seems like you and Nick work really well. I mean, not only being friends beforehand, but also just in, you know, kind of the music you guys work on together. Mm. Do you find there's like a symbiotic relationship to kind of the rhythm section being so in tune with each other? Yeah, for sure. Uh, I definitely feel like Nick and I have a really good connection. But that being said, I don't think it's like a magical connection. I think Nick is just such a good drummer that if you can play to him, like you're going to sound really good. You know, it's like the dude kind of can't miss. He, <laughs> I mean, he like almost, almost never drops a stick. He almost never messes up. His tempo mm-hmm. is always dead on. It's really like not hard to play to him. Um, so when you're, when you're locked in with him, which is really easy to do, things just kind of sound really good. That being said, I do think the connection we have is great, but I think any good bass player would have a really great connection with Nick. He's just mm-hmm. always, he's always on. It's, it's crazy. Well, it's, it definitely shows through in the music where you guys, you know, they always talk about the pocket and the groove and stuff. And mm-hmm. I, I think yeah. you guys just are great at gluing everything together. I mean, especially in like acts four and five where it's, it's definitely you and Nick, like you can really tell that those, those shine through a lot. Yeah. I think, I think we kind of had a lot of similarities growing up. Um, uh, we listened to somewhat of the same music. We had a lot of the same influences. He's also a bass player, so he really understands rhythm um, outside of being a drummer. Uh, yeah, and we're like the same exact age, so we listen to a lot of the same music. Um, yeah. So, yeah, eh, we just, uh, yeah, we're definitely pretty in sync with each other, I guess. Right time, right place sort of situation. So you talk about your, you having similar influences. What kind of influences are they for kind of rhythm sections sure yeah so he he loves jocko and i mean any bass player would love jocko and Hmm. i love jocko so i mean is that uh, jocko pistoria it uh yeah jocko pistorius what's great about uh nick though like i said he's he's also a really good bass player he can play jocko riffs so he really understands them inside and out um and uh he's also really good at slapping so that's kind of cool that's kind of something i'm really jealous of uh but um, oh, it's hailing now. Look at that. <laughs> the seasons are just passing right outside your window. Yeah, it's pretty dramatic. We've actually been doing this for like six months. You just oh, haven't man. realized it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like really coming down right now. This is nuts. Yeah, it's interesting. Is that is that something about Wisconsin that's kind of weirded you out? I mean, going from, uh, from Nashville to Wisconsin, the weather has got to be just crazy. The weather isn't... Um, <sighs> it's cold up here but you know i i originally come from rhode island so i'm not like it's not like the cold is something i'm afraid of you know um it's definitely colder here yeah um like at any given point it's always going to be probably 10 degrees colder in wisconsin than it is in rhode island um so the 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 drops are pretty extreme um but uh the the winters are a little bit longer which is a little annoying but rhode island springs are kind of shitty anyway because they're not even though it's a little warmer out, it's like it rains like crazy in Rhode Island for for months. It seems like um, so Wisconsin's weather isn't really all that crazy. Although this hail is pretty nuts right now. I'm looking at it, thinking like I don't think I've ever. Well, Tennessee had some pretty crazy crazy weather too. I mean, they just had that tornado. You know, that's that's obviously something I had never seen before. Um, in Miami, when I was there, Miami had that huge huge hurricane um, and. Yeah, I was I was going to bring that up. I, I don't think a lot of people know that uh, right after you moved to Florida, you got uh, evicted by a hurricane, pretty much. Yeah, like with within a week. Tell us a little bit about that. How was what was that experience like? Sure. I want to just mention that the hail just completely stopped. <laughs> it's just 
it's like somebody turned off a switch. That's crazy. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I moved down to, to Florida because my, um, uh, my wife got into uh frost school of music down there and we went down to Miami and she's like, I don't know. It must've been within the first week. I think it was uh, hurricane Irma, the one that like really, really hit Puerto Rico really hard. It didn't, I mean, it hit Miami pretty hard too, for sure, but it didn't, you know, devastate the area like it did in Puerto Rico. Um, but yeah, that was crazy. I had to, <laughs> I had to drive as far away as I could within a short amount of time, and I ended up driving to the middle of Florida where my grandmother lived, and she lives like in a section that has a really high elevation. So by the time the the storm got up there, it really wasn't a big deal. Actually, we slept right through it. But uh, you said in your uh, your apartment or your house, you had to basically put all your possessions up on like pallets or something. I yeah, I I pretty much. Um, put everything on my bed and wrapped my bed in a tarp and thought like, okay, well, I mean, <laughs> whatever I can't take with me is obviously staying here. So if it gets submerged in water, maybe this tarp will help. <laughs> I don't know. But uh, when we got back, I don't even know if we ever lost power because the air conditioning was running. There were no leaks or anything. Our yard was in pretty good shape, but I mean, the surrounding area was like, it was trash. It took, it took months to get rid of all the, the, uh, excuse me. It took months to get rid of all the debris that had come down from the storm. I mean, there were just like piles of it everywhere. It was crazy. Just based on this conversation, I'm going to guess that at some point in your life, you pissed off like a weather God. Uh, <laughs> And it's just following you around, fucking with you. It's giving you hail and snow and hurricanes and yeah, maybe I don't know. It's not that bad. <laughs> Although maybe maybe you're right because uh, when I was living in Rhode Island, um, uh, there are two separate occasions in which um, they call them microbursts, which I had never heard of them. But I think they're like mini tornadoes that just kind of come down out of nowhere and they kind of wreak havoc for a second and then they go away. Um, but two of them on two separate occasions at my place in Rhode Island hit us. And both times trees came down one time, a tree came down into the house directly and kind of messed up the roof and some soffits and stuff. It wasn't that big of a deal, but cleaning up the tree was a pretty big deal because it was a huge tree. And then the other time, a different tree, and I think it was my neighbor's tree this time, actually came down and completely leveled uh, our garage. <laughs> we had just spent all this time and money um, fixing up this garage and restructuring and everything. And the thing was just, I mean, completely leveled. I have pictures of it. It's pretty funny. Well, it's not funny, but I guess looking back, it's kind of funny because it looks <laughs> like it's just, and it just, it was crazy. I feel like one of these days, you're just going to have a bolt of lightning strike right next to you, just as a, a warning from the weather god. Maybe my grandfather got struck by lightning and he lived, he lived to tell. Really? Did he get yeah. one of wow. I've, I've seen people who lived through getting struck by lightning and they always have these, I don't want to say cool. Cause that sounds insensitive, but they have these like marks on them from the electricity. Yeah. He didn't have that. Oh. Yeah. He, I think he was like opening a garage door or something. He was holding on to something and it struck the building that he was holding on to, And he got shocked that way. I mean, not that it's any less of a result, but, uh, he doesn't yeah. have that crazy scarring and uh yeah apparently he lost all his hair i don't know if that's true wow. if that's uh but yeah i don't know i if i knew i would live i i, I i'd kind of get struck by lightning you know <laughs> <laughs> i'll take it just, just, just so to I give it a shot story. for the story just so i can yeah. tell the story you know as long as i knew i would live i would do it just on the off chance that i get superpowers from it that's a very mm. off chance, Hunter. I don't know if that chance is like 0.01%, but if there's any chance, I want my superpowers. It's been too long. Mm. Hunter, you say that. I uh, I was reading this book by uh, 
like this neurologist or neuroscientist uh, called Oliver Sacks. It's a book called uh, Music Ophelia. I have this book and I know what you're going to talk about. Yeah, Music Ophelia. The guy who got struck by lightning and uh, could could play the piano afterwards. Yeah. You know, we want to know something crazy. My wife, Kim, uh, she dated a guy. That's her dad. That dude in the book is this this guy's dad that she dated. No way. Really? Yeah, she, yeah, she knew the guy. She said he's a really nice guy. And yeah, apparently... It's true. He just he got struck by lightning and had the urge to play piano and he could play piano and he started writing. I guess it was like it was in, he just couldn't get these these ideas out of his head like it just wouldn't stop. So he had to play piano. See, I wonder I wonder what that was. I wonder if it was just uh, some sort of neuron fired in his mind or some pathway was created that's I, I don't know. That's super interesting. Like was was it more like he was more inclined to be able to play piano or was more along the lines of like, Hey, I now know all these scales and how things work and how it should sound. I think the way, the way the book describes it is, uh, he, he he was, he wasn't a musical person. Like he didn't really have much of a interest in it, but it was mainly just an urge, like Nick said to, uh, to suddenly take up an interest in music, which was like, I guess, uncharacteristic of him. Wow. Uh, before, before the strike, so uh, yeah, I guess I would like to be struck by lightning because I guess maybe <laughs> maybe I could play guitar afterwards. Oof, yeah, it's possible. Actually, it's always an interesting question because I was talking about I want to get struck by lightning so I can get superpowers. If you guys could have one superpower, what would it be? And this is a very important question because it says a lot about you. I I know what I would say. It's um it's one of two things. It's either some sort of mind control or it's invisibility and i would only use my powers for evil i would only steal money (laughs) i'll be transparent (laughs) i'm not trying to save anybody i'm trying to get myself paid have you seen um jessica jones the the show on netflix no i know what you're talking about though you really need to watch just the first season because it's one of my favorite Marvel properties ever. Like of all the movies, second of all the season's comics. okay too. It's not amazing. Second but it's season's all right. okay, but that first season is so phenomenal. Especially the yeah. the villain Kilgrave. The reason I bring him up is because he has basically mind control powers, where if he says something, the person has to do it, and it kind of explores how corrupting that power is, and and how he's he basically does, he can't help but to be evil. So I, I always thought that'd be interesting to have a superpower where like it corrupts in a way that you can't necessarily control hmm. guys. What I, I know Nick answered, what, what would your superpowers be if you, if you got to choose? So I'm, um, I'm, I'm on the fence. It's either mind reading, like genuinely I can just tell what people are thinking about. It'd be cool. How far would that extend though? Would that extend over the phone or just in person? <laughs> uh, I imagine it would be a bit like Futurama where the only way to avoid it is to wear a tinfoil hat. Sure. sure. Uh, <laughs> Now, you see, that won't be scary because read, reading minds sounds like it'd be a terrifying prospect. Yeah. Just imagine having your, or just all your insecurity just confirmed right. in the person. And we all have thoughts that we don't really truly believe, you know, like the, the kind of intrusive thoughts. Yeah. That could be potentially uh, quite frightening, depending on who you're talking to. Yeah. And it seems like there's some, there's definitely some ethical implications there. Like, is it ethical to read people's minds if you have the ability to? Like, is someone entitled to the privacy of their own thoughts, I guess would be the question yeah. I would come up with. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, luckily we're, we're not yet at a stage where we can uh, do that super well. I got to say that ha- hearing mixed birds makes it feel like we're recording in nature and it is very wonderful. <laughs> it's very, very relaxing. I think it's my garden, to be fair. 
I've got my my back door open. Oh, it's magical. Bruce kind of a bird whisperer anyway, so I think that's his superpower because he's yeah, that's true. Yeah, he's very good at talking to D. Reynolds. <laughs> yeah, we were uh, we were talking about Always Sunny earlier. Uh, I don't know if you guys watched that show, but I've always thought it was like a great example of like how to write terrible characters. Well, the thing is with the show, what I find interesting is that every season they intentionally do the makeup to where they look worse and worse and worse, like oh, physically. Yeah. So they look more and more like a, a crack addict every single season. They just get like, they just look like that they're wearing their lives down. And um, I found that fascinating. And just now they're at a point where they don't even have scripts. They just have, okay, we need to get to this point. Ad lib your way across. Nick, what are you uh, binge watching during these quarantine times? Like uh, when you're sitting at home and watching through a show, what what are you binging right now? Sure. Um, I'm actually kind of out of things to watch, um, but I, I had just finished up uh, Ozark's. Oh, or Ozark? I love Ozark. Yeah. yeah. I have not watched it yet. I got to watch that after The Wire. It's so good. It's like the white collar Breaking Bad. Like, it's so good. Yeah. Yeah. I hear a lot of people saying that, like, it's as good as Breaking Bad. I'm like, oh, that's a pretty steep thing to say, but all right. I, I think it's definitely up there. Like, no, no lie. I think Jason Bateman's super talented and he directs most of the episodes. Well, I mean, people said the same thing to me about The Wire and The Wire is not grabbing me. I've never watched it. I don't mm. know. I never watched that. I should probably start watching it. Have you guys watched that new uh, documentary series, The Tiger King? That's like all the rage right now. Yeah. Oh my I was God. a big fan of it. Mm. Man, a lot of, yeah, a lot of mixed emotions in that. Yeah. I I got like halfway through it and stopped watching it just because I, I guess this is just a problem with me in the way I consume media is again, like it felt like it was kind of glorifying these terrible people. And something about that, like, I know it wasn't directly saying like, hey, check out these people. Aren't they cool? It was basically highlighting how terrible they are, but it felt like it was doing it in this reverent way that I just, I don't know. I was uncomfortable with like the response about it because in general, they're all just so terrible and everyone loves them so much. I mean, it's trying to, it's trying to be like a more Southern Jersey shore, except with killing too. But the, my issue with the show is also, I just didn't like the pacing. I didn't, I don't like docuseries just in general. So, oh, I mean, I, I, I binged it in seven hours to be honest I, I, I guess I'm completely the opposite but I, I think the fact that it was almost playing out a bit like I guess a more extreme version of The Office with these kind of n- narcissistic characters yeah. and really charismatic characters but it was you know like real it's for me it was just really entertaining this is a question Nick <laughs> prepare yourself Nick did Carol Baskin do it? Oh yeah, I I think yeah, I think she definitely had something to do with her husband's disappearance for sure. I don't think she I don't think any of those people are good people. They're all fucking weird, man. <laughs> They're all terrible people. I actually I, somewhere around like the end of the second episode or the beginning of the third episode, I think I started to sympathize with uh, Joe Exotic. Um, and then he would just do shit that was just like, no, this guy's a complete scumbag. There's like, this is terrible stuff. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I, I should have known from the very, be- I mean, I did know from the very beginning that anybody who's trying to, uh, keep tigers in captivity is just not a good person. Like you can't, you can't do that shit. I mean, come on. I think my biggest problem with it isn't necessarily the way they're portrayed in the show. It's like the, the meme culture that sprung up around it. And mm-hmm. I think you, you and I talked about uh, social media on the last time we talked and, and like how it's just how it's so insidiously influential Mm -hmm. and so i felt like all the memes sprouting up around it were a little too reverent and a little too glorifying of the people and i I don't know meme culture and just social media in general just kind of makes me 
eh, skeevy sometimes. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think anybody's like actually sympathizing with Joe Exotic or any of those. I mean, people. the show's getting a spinoff. So really, who's getting a spinoff? Uh, Carol. They're going to look more into Carol's no. story. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, as long as she's not, you know, going to get her own show. But they need to get approval from the government, right? Because they're like basically tapping into an investigation. Well, I think even Trump said recently during like one of his coronavirus press conferences, someone asked him about, I don't know who the fuck would ask him about Tiger King of all (laughs) things, but he said like, yeah, no, I'll look into that. So I don't know if, I don't know if it's just Trump being Trump or if he's going to like direct the Department of Justice to look into it. It's also not like a presidential tier thing to look into Joe Exotic. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, why yeah. would someone ask that at a press conference? It just seems. Yeah. I mean, especially during the um, the middle of a global pandemic. It's <laughs> exactly. not, the, it's not yeah. the, most, the most pressing issue. Yeah. I can't imagine he's seen it because I feel like if he actually did see it, I think he would be obsessed with it. And I, I, th- I think a lot of weird shit would happen if Donald Trump saw Tiger King. I feel like you wouldn't have the time. I feel like anyone in this situation wouldn't have the time with that. But. I would hope he doesn't have the time. I would hope he hasn't seen it. I think he sits on the toilet like 90% of the time and just plays on his phone. So I, I'm pretty sure he's, he's watched it. Yeah. Anyway, I know one thing that I wanted to touch upon again is um, Nick. Your uh, one of your hobbies is is uh, being like a beer connoisseur, and I believe you also brew some too. Oh yeah, or you, uh, ha- or you have knowledge of it. Mm, yeah, <laughs> I have some knowledge. Uh, yeah. So I don't know if you want to like talk about because like um, yeah, I, so especially the Corona thing. You mentioned uh, one thing that actually stuck with me that uh, Corona beers they them being in a clear bottle is um, a very <laughs> bad thing for them because it like what it speeds up oxidation. I think you said. Uh, so any beer that's in a clear bottle is uh, subject to uh, UV lights, and mm-hmm. they will basically just kind of make a beer go skunky. Yeah. And that's often why uh, Corona was seen with a lime, I guess, is because the lime would kind of kill the flavor of the, the skunkiness. And uh, <laughs> so it's kind of a cover-up, although it is now just tradition that when you order Corona, you get a lime. So. But that doesn't mean that all Corona beer is skunky because most of it, I would imagine, just goes right from the factory to a box and then it stays in the box probably until, you know, hopefully somebody just puts in the fridge or starts drinking it. There really isn't much reason for it to be exposed to the sun, but it can be exposed to the sun, you know, very easily. If you just, uh, if it was like sitting on a shelf, maybe that would be pretty harmful. As someone with a refined palate, what's your uh, favorite beer? Uh, I don't know if I really have a favorite. Uh, there are just a lot of things I like. Um, yeah, I feel like it's a mood thing, right? It's definitely a mood thing. Um, do you like yeah. it? Uh, super? Do you like IPAs? Like super hoppy, or do you prefer like a nice lager? Or? Uh, I prefer an IPA over a lager. Um, but uh, that depends on the IPA, I suppose. Yeah, there are, mm. like there's like different, definitely like different styles of IPAs. There's like a West Coast and an East Coast and everything in between. But um, I generally find myself more liking like East Coast style IPAs, which is really just they they just use a different uh, variety of hops mostly for those styles. And I just find I like those flavors better. See, I had um, I've gotten in arguments with people because I've had a um, two different IPAs. I had the um, Sin City Amber from Vegas, which was delicious in my opinion, um, and also the Brooklyn Lager that mm-hmm. out here in Brooklyn. And sure. uh, people get mad at me when I say, "Oh, I really like Brooklyn Lager," and like, "How your taste buds are awful." I'm like, "I don't know, it's a tasty beer." Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you've had that one. Yeah, I've had it. I haven't. I haven't had. Excuse me. I haven't had it in a long time. Um, it's to me, it's just a lager. I, I'm yeah. not like a huge lager kind of guy. I'll drink a lager, especially if it's like. 
hot as hell or something. I just need mm-hmm. something cold. And when it comes to brewing, uh, this is something I forgot to mention. I think the last time we spoke, but I, I actually tried to get a little bit into home brewing. I got like mm-hmm. a one of those starter kits. We're like, it's got like a sure. plastic carboy and gives sure. you a big, a big uh, tin of the of the syrup from the. You know, I mean, I'm sure you know how it all goes. Wait, brewing beer or cider? Because you're Uh, British, so it's different. lager. Okay. uh, A nice 40 pints or so of lager. How would would you recommend I kind of advance from from just using, you know, starter kits and stuff like that? Uh, Well, um, brewing ends up being like an expensive hobby. So the nice thing about the kit that you probably have is that the the malt that they're using is probably an extract. It's probably in a bag or, like you said, a tin, but it's like a liquefied form. Yeah. So you pretty much don't really have to worry too much about um, extracting sugars from grain because they've already done that for you. But if you were to want to, if you did want to move uh, further along in it, I think that would be a a step in, you'd probably need like a, a tank of sorts to essentially act as a mash tun, which is just the vessel that you put um, grain in and then you pour uh, water into it to basically just extract sugar from the grain. And then you would transfer that over to Mm. a boil kettle that would show at that point, at that point it's pretty probably similar to what you already have. But um, I would say that's the next step is getting a a separate vessel to act as a mash tun, then start using uh, actual grains and doing the extraction yourself. Okay. Okay. Uh, that's good to know. Have you guys ever got any thought to like making your own beer as a band? Like I know a lot of bands like release their own beer or coffee or something. Have you ever, have you guys ever thought about that? I mean, cause you're all kind of the like beer hunter. Yeah. The well, beer. Yeah, per, yeah. Periphery who did uh, their own coffee. We know you guys are kind of like friendly with them. And uh, I know of all people, Slipknot released a whiskey. I think it's a bourbon. Uh, yeah, I mean, we've definitely talked about doing beers. The only the the biggest problem with doing a beer um, is it it usually just kind of comes down to distribution. So, right. uh, for instance, I I am a very small percentage owner of a brewery in Rhode Island, and I would love to make a Deer Hunter beer um, that way, but it would only be able to be sold in like Rhode Island and a couple surrounding states, like Maine, maybe mm-hmm. um, Massachusetts and New York. But it wouldn't be a large quantity. So I guess we could do it. But I think when we were actually talking about doing it with Proclamation, it was we didn't have any distribution outside of Rhode Island. So it was like, yeah, we could we could do it, but it would be you'd have to go to Rhode Island to get it. Well I do <laughs> so. I do think there's companies out there who specialize in that kind of uh, distribution chain for, you know, uh name or like uh, branded beers and stuff like like uh, Megadeth did their own beer and they have like uh, countrywide distribution so Death tones I'm not I'm not telling you guys to go and get like in a business arrangement or anything but uh, I, I think <laughs> there are kind of frameworks out there where bands can distribute their own beer yeah there 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 might be something like that I really don't know um I'd imagine a band like Megadeth that's doing it is probably oh they got they got money to throw around yeah, I bet what they're probably doing is they're probably essentially licensing their name or their label um, to um, a collection of different uh, breweries that probably do what's called contract brewing, which is basically just taking recipes from other breweries and making a bunch of it. And then um, from there, maybe they have distribution um, or you do contract brewing in different locations around the United States and thus distribution can happen from those points. Um, there are ways of doing it. That's obviously like a pretty big investment at that point. And it's like, well, for the deer hunter, I don't know how many people are going to be, yeah. you know, 
<laughs> waiting in line uh, to get into the bottle shop to get sure. the, the a deer hunter beer, um, like in the middle of Arkansas or something. It's possible. But. You, I know you guys are pretty ambitious and, and your fans uh, fairly ravenous. So I'm sure if it ever did come to fruition, you guys would find success in that. Well, since you're like, um, well, since you're more of a beer connoisseur, uh, if you had to say that you were making a deer hunter beer, what would the deer hunter as a beer taste like? We uh, we actually played around with a, a couple of different ideas, um, and we kind of wanted to do. I think this is before Act Act Four and Five, anyway. But we wanted to do like a an Act series beer where, um, like, it'd be like Act One, Act would Six be, is a beer. <laughs> no, but it would be like Act One would be like a like a really fresh um sort of light beer basically kind of symbolizing like it's very early on the story not not much has really happened mm-hmm. um and then like the second one would be maybe something more like a like Just a blood <laughs> <laughs> no maybe the second one would be something that takes a little bit longer to ferment maybe like a stout um and then maybe like act three would be something that is like really aged on on wood for like maybe like nine months or something like that um but we and then we kind of had like a bunch of different ideas we had an idea i think for like doing like a color spectrum beer which obviously you know had different things but uh we never really followed through with it although we probably should i bet your proclamation would do something now um but again, it would probably be limited to like an East Coast, North Northern East Coast sort of release. Have you guys ever had any like crazy ideas as a band that uh, just could never come to fruition because of resources or something? Or is there something you had to scrap that you'll never use again? Just something kind of off the wall? Yeah, I think we're always kind of talking about stuff that just can't work. <laughs> uh, I think the most most recent thing that I thought of was trying to do and i and we might still do it but i just don't know how we would do it but i kind of wanted to get like an nes simulator or like game writing program and then write a or design a game around the indigo child and then um release it on uh nes cartridges Mm -hmm. because i found like a way to basically hook your computer up via usb to this thing that essentially just prints the information onto these nes cartridge um uh they're not much they're just like little drives essentially and then you can buy a bunch of the plastic um cartridge containers i guess and then just you know design your own label and stick them on and everything and we could do it it's kind of a big project but i don't know if you guys know this but there was a a project in the fan base for a while where they were making a deer hunter video game Oh really? Yeah, they they like made uh, sprite versions of all the characters from the axe, and they were they were trying to find someone to code a like a JRPG type thing. Hmm, interesting. So I I don't know what the status of that is. I know it started a couple of years ago, and they they had like fifty people working on it or something. Really? Yeah, Jeez. yeah. I'll have to look into that, see what the status is. I think that'd be so cool. I think the the axe would be a great kind of video gameish story. You know, with all the kind of the locations changing and kind of the war happening and kind of the exploration of the city. Yeah. It would be a the really prostitution, the prostitution. <laughs> yes. It could be like a GTA sequel. Yeah. It could be kind of like a cool Assassin's Creed type game. I bet that'd be a lot of work, but I'm just imagining if you didn't act two beer, how disgusting it would be from all the different flavors from the act from that. That is an act two. <laughs> just all sorts of like fluids just thrown in there. I feel, I feel like yeah. uh, act four would be like a sparkling wine. Act four would be a cider. You think so? 
I think I'd, I'd forward be a cider. Well, I guess I, I, you kind of mentioned this a little bit, how it's something you wanted to do, but we, we asked this question to everyone just because I think it's interesting to get in your, your head as like a, a creative person. If you had an unlimited budgets or at least no resources constraints, uh, what would what would you do personally? Like what what's the one project that you would love to see happen at some point in your life? Uh, if I had unlimited money to do whatever I want? Yeah, unlimited money, unlimited time, no resources constraint, just someone gives you a blank check and says, do whatever your heart desires. What What do you think mm. you would uh, create? There are a lot of things I could, you know, hypothetically probably come up with, but I'd probably keep it pretty simple. I just kind of want to open a coffee shop somewhere. Yeah. Um, I know that's not crazy ambitious, but it's ambitious enough for me right now, I think. <laughs> well, no, it's, it's um, very practical and ambitious, you know, because... Uh, coffee shops especially local coffee shops always at least i whenever i go to a new place i try to find a local coffee chain just because i don't like to support starbucks and stuff yeah i would do it right now but i just don't live anywhere near um a place that would have enough foot traffic to actually sustain a coffee shop i live in toma wisconsin right now and there's like it's a town of nine thousand people and <laughs> of those nine thousand I don't know. There's probably like 1,000 that are under the age of 50, it seems like. So I don't know how much <laughs> coffee I'd actually be able to sell in, in this little city. So for me right now, it doesn't really actually make sense to, yeah. to do it, unfortunately. But I would like to do it. I know it's not like a crazy, ambitious thing. Um, no, I think that'd be awesome. I'd, I'd love to have come out. I mean, if it's fun, then why not? Well, especially because yeah. uh, Rob's a coffee brewer, isn't he? So he could definitely help you out logistically. Oh, yeah. I'm sure he could. I actually have a lot of friends in the coffee industry that would easily lend their their knowledge to me um and some of their resources i'm sure so i mean it, it, and it's something i like it's something i would gladly do um and uh then i'd have access to good coffee all the time it'd be kind of nice well on a on a more artistic level have you ever considered mm -hmm. doing like a solo project or anything because i know you're a multi-instrumentalist uh, yeah yeah you know i this this might just be like a like a, a self-conscious sort of thing, but like, I just, you know, I write and I record these things and then I, I go back and listen to them. Like, I don't like this at all. And I'll just scrap it and I won't ever look at it again. And actually like probably six months ago, I started looking at a bunch of these files again and I was like, Oh, actually I kind of like this. Maybe I should do something with it. And then I got really inspired to kind of like rework on some of this stuff and then i stopped and now i went back to it again and i was like eh, i don't like any of this stuff <laughs> so i just kind of keep going back and forth with these ideas that i have and uh i don't know i asked this question with no pressure but uh would you would you want to like send us one of your best little clips and we can drop it in the episode somewhere just give people a little taste of the kind of stuff you make hmm. uh maybe i don't know i'd have to uh, probably not i probably won't send you anything <laughs> i like i said I mean, that's I, fine yeah if you ever get a bug up there and, and you decide you want to kind of do a focus group test of uh to see what people are enjoying about yourself you know more than welcome to listen to it i did see you did that thing on instagram a while back uh where you yeah. kind of encouraged your followers to uh just kind of show off what they were working on and you showed off some of your ideas as well yeah and i think that's that would be a cool thing to continue i think i know i know i really should i just i just i don't know i just stopped doing it but i should because <laughs> it was not only it was definitely encouraging for me and i definitely had more courage to put my stuff out there because of other people. But I was also good because other people were doing the same thing. And there were all these clips that just kind of came out of nowhere. And there were some that were really great. It's like, geez, dude, you have a great voice or wow, this is a very great chord progression that you have. Like, so, I mean, I'm probably just as guilty as anybody as far as not, you know, 
doing my own stuff. And I have been thinking about this a lot lately because it's like, I think I noticed that this is something I've definitely noticed with the quarantine is like, I actually don't really have anything to do. Like <laughs> if it, if it weren't for the deer hunter consuming my time currently, uh, with tracking base, like I don't really actually have anything to do other than work on my house, which is something to do, but it's not like, it's not like a, it's not like a professional thing to work on my own house. So mm. I, I just have to, I don't know. I just feel like I should probably do my own project and I don't really know how to even go about doing it, which is ironic because there was a time in my life that I, you know, only started projects. I would like constantly start projects with other musicians that I know to kind of get things going. But that was, that was years ago. And that was in a town that I knew a lot of people. And now I live in the middle of nowhere and I don't know anybody out here. Well, so, besides board with Ford, do you have any other music out there, like projects that you've done in the past, or are you trying to like bury those? Uh, I mean, I have other stuff out there, but I mean, nothing that's active and nothing that'll ever be active again. I don't think. Is there uh, a way a way you could find those? Are you comfortable with us like listening to it, or is it something you just prefer to leave in the past? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess there, there's really only a couple things that I've really done. Uh, the only thing that I think you can kind of currently access online is a, uh, a project I did. It was a metal project and mm. it's actually the band that I was playing with when I had met Nick Crescenzo. Um, it's a band called the empire shall fall and it's a metal band. And, uh, it's claim to fame was that Jesse Leach from kill switch engage sang in it or sings in it wow. or sang in it. I don't know. Um, and it was cool. We did, uh, two albums, more like one album and then one little EP, but, um, it was a lot of fun. I learned a lot from it. Um, it was my first excuse to just play loud and play with distortion and play with a pick. So I really, hmm. it was like as close to a, being a guitar player as I had ever become. Uh, he said it was called the empire. What now? The empire shall fall. <laughs> we were very political at the time. It was like kind of at the, the height of the Iraq war. Yeah. yeah. You guys had awaken and volume one solar plexus. Yeah. And, and I would Rock probably metal just and metalcore. I think I would only really listen to the solar plexus album. Awaken's good for sure. But I think our best stuff is on that solar plexus EP. Um, and I think our sounds are a lot better and I don't know. I just really like those songs. So are you like a fan of metal music? I never would have kind of guessed that of you. Well, that was, that was another thing is I started the project specifically because I didn't really know anything about metal. Um, <laughs> it, it was like, it was just seemed like something that I had kind of never really gotten into, but I knew there was something to it, you know, and there was some metal that I actually did enjoy. And I, I at that time I was really starting to get into heavier leaning music. Um, so I just, um, I contacted the best metal guitar player I knew who, when I was, <laughs> I was 26 at the time and he was 16. Um, but I knew he, he was better than any, uh, guitar player that I knew for that style. So I contacted him and said, Hey, like, I don't know if you'd be interested, but like, I'm trying to put together this, this project. Um, I need a guitar player. The singers, uh, you know, Jesse Leach from Killswitch, and he's like, "Oh yeah, I'll definitely do this." <laughs> I was like, "Okay, well, that's an easy sell." Wait, so this is when Jesse Leach was already like kind of known in the industry. Yeah, but he had um, he was not in the group at that time. So basically, like Jesse, kind of what did he do? He joined this band. Uh, they put out an album, and then like right after their first tour, he quit for uh whatever reasons yeah and then they got howard and then they got howard and then howard left and then jesse came back and jesse's been in the band for like i don't know seemingly like 10 years at this point now 
Yeah, I think he went back like 2012, 2013, something like that. Yeah, that sounds about right. Do you guys still keep in touch? Yeah, I just talked to him the other day, actually. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, he's a good guy. Has he listened uh, to much The Deer Hunter? Like, do you guys ever talk about like what you're working on now? Or I don't know. I don't know. I th- I know he's listens to us, and I know he respects what we do. Um, I don't know. I don't know if he's a fan necessarily. Uh, we've played. We did that. Uh, we did a festival in Australia, uh, the Soundwave Festival, and they were there when we were there. So we got to hang out a little bit and hmm. see each other. So I think. I mean, he, he's at least familiar with the, the deer hunter, you know, but I don't know if it's necessarily his thing. Well, that's awesome, man. Like I said, I never would have taken you as uh, someone who played metal. Would you ever consider doing it again? I would definitely play metal again. I actually miss it because I just think it's, um, I mean, it's just such a, a unique way of playing. Yeah. There's something raw and organic about it. Yeah. In my opinion. Yeah, for sure. It's definitely fun. It, it's, it's fun because it's like, like I can never be fast enough to play that kind of stuff. Like it's always a challenge for my hands and that's kind of Mm -hmm. cool in itself for me personally. And then like just the tone that you're going for is like the extreme opposite of the tone that I normally go for, which is just now I'm just trying to go for like Mm -hmm. big clangy loud, but articulate and, uh, and playing to that is just really a lot of fun. I love playing metal. Um, but it's super hard. And I don't know, again, I don't know anybody out in Tomo, Wisconsin that would even <laughs> <laughs> want to play any sort of music. Yeah. I can't, I can't imagine Wisconsin's very uh, big on the metal music scene. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. I have I just don't know anybody out here, so I couldn't even tell you. Um, and there are certainly no music clubs where I live. So Rob Parr confirmed it. Like when he lived out here, there's like a lot of metal out here and now all of it's like gone. So like the only way I have any like opportunity to play in a metal band is just online. So and that's what that's what we do. We're all international. Yeah, I think that's like, I think feel like that's kind of where a lot of music is going nowadays. Is like if you're trying to find like a really solid group, it's kind of hard to get it local. But like on the flip side, you can't jam locally, but you also have the opportunity to maybe make better music, but you might not. So yeah, eh, I, maybe I'll be able to kind of weasel my way into something something <laughs> online. Um, I actually had met uh, the drummer for. Uh, the faceless we he's actually a deer hunter fan and i don't remember how i got talking to him but we're internet friends at this point and uh he was joking saying that he should put me on bass because they don't really play with a bass player apparently they kind of do it like all metal bands are doing now and just like putting the bass player in the tracks for some reason (laughs) (laughs) so i'm like yeah yeah i'll I'll take that gig are there any plans to do more stuff with uh board with four because i i really really love board with four i think the the vocalist has a great unique style and i I love the the genre of music it is yeah i man i love that band that's like amongst my favorite uh things that i've ever done i just live we just get to play um so freely and i just really enjoyed it but at that being said like i don't think we'll i don't know if we'll ever play anytime in the near future i would like to think we would but i just don't know the uh everybody's kind of got their own lives right now and uh and i'm just not a part of it (laughs) i am like you know, on the other, I'm, I'm in the middle of the country. They're all back in Rhode Island yeah. and the singer just had a baby not too long ago. So that's kind of consuming his time. And we actually recorded or we started to record an album, like literally, man, I think like literally three years ago at this point and it's still not done. <laughs> and so, but if it ever gets finished, it's going to be really incredible. And I just, I, I pray that that day comes sooner than later, but I don't know if it's going to ever happen. 
Hey, I, I would love to hear it too. Like I said, I, I'm a big yeah. Border 4 fan. And I, I feel like I haven't gotten enough. Like it's one of those bands that's that's yeah. tantalizing because it just it gives you just enough to get invested and there's like nothing else to listen to. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I would I definitely love mean. to hear some more. We I think we're at the point of the podcast uh, where we can where we really appreciate you coming on. I was just curious if you had anything you wanted to shout out or recommend or anything before we start wrapping this up to a close. Hmm. Uh, no, not really. I don't really really have anything to advertise and i don't normally do shout outs i don't even know how who i would shout out at this point <laughs> uh i'm on instagram i guess um i'm not really uh i'm not really i mean i all right so last time we talked i mm-hmm. had quit facebook yeah and then i took it upon my well all right i didn't really I quit Facebook for a solid two months, but then I started going back on it because I'm addicted to Facebook marketplace. And, uh, I, so I, so I went back on Facebook and then I probably for a good month, month and a half, I was really good and only checked out Facebook marketplace. Like I didn't even go to my feed. I didn't check my notifications or anything, but then I, 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 I slipped and I, I started like checking my feed and checking notifications and I started. Yeah, interacting. I saw you made a post where you're pretty much fed up with Facebook again. <laughs> yeah, it didn't take long. <laughs> Basically, as soon as I started interacting with people and as soon as I started making posts again, which I think I made like two posts, it, like it started to, to go exactly the same way that I that it went before, which was just I just oh god, it infuriates me and I can't I just can't. I can't have it both ways. I can't just go on Facebook marketplace and like, you know, kind of flirt with reading comments and stuff. Like I'm either all in or I'm all out and it sucks because I don't know what I have to do. I think I just have to be all out at this point. Um, but that means no more Facebook marketplace. I don't know how I can live without Facebook marketplace. <laughs> I personally made my Facebook almost all music related. So it's all groups and just band stuff. Yeah. So I, I just wish there was a Facebook marketplace app. And I could just use that. Are you still buying and selling a lot of gear? No, there's no gear out in Toma to buy. I wish there were because I have like an itch, especially now that we're in a quarantine. Like I have an itch to buy something, but like there's just nothing out here that to, to, to buy. But I am mm-hmm. looking for things like I am actually looking for a piano. Um, and I keep finding pianos, but like I keep missing them by like, you know, oh. a couple hours, you know. I oh God, it's it's frustrating. Yeah, but, yeah marketplace uh, is good. The pianos yeah. I've found. Yeah, it really, it really can be, and I really enjoy the hunt. And I, even though I get beat out sometimes because I'm just a little bit too late, I don't even mind getting beat beat out a little bit because it's uh, like I said, I enjoy the hunt. <laughs> well, I guess as one of the the wrapping questions here, what what current gear are you using? Like, what's your current rig? Um, well, let's see. Here. I hear I hear uh, you over there noodling. So, what are you playing? Yeah, now? I've been noodling this whole time. I'm noodling <laughs> on a Fender Bass Six. Um, which is like a, uh, it's, it's kind of like a six string bass kind of, but it's actually more like a guitar just tuned an octave down. If that makes sense. So it doesn't, it doesn't have like the the spacing on the bass, like it would between strings. No. Yeah. Like what's the scale? Uh, what is the scale on this thing? I think the scale is about 30 inches. If I'm not mistaken, it's kind of like a short scale. Um, but the spacing on the strings is more um more of a guitar um it's more of a guitar than it is a bass so is it kind of like a baritone guitar in a in a way yeah yeah kind of it but it's even more baritone it's like a bass it is a bass interesting um (laughs) yeah it's it's a weird instrument you should look up i don't know clips but uh they uh let me try to think beatles used it a lot beatles used it on uh let it be um 
Wait, did they do it on Let It Be or Hey Jude? I think I think they played it on Hey Jude. I think they did Maxwell's Silver Hammer on bass six. Um, Robert Smith from The Cure used bass six all the time. Uh, there's a lot of weird examples, but it's a weird instrument. It's mostly a good studio instrument. Live, I've tried it before. It, it It's not great live. It just doesn't have enough bottom end to yeah. be a bass but it's not it has too much bottom end to be a guitar so it's just a it's a good studio thing and i like playing <laughs> it but do you find yourself do you enjoy recording or touring more uh i definitely like touring um i i can i can enjoy re- uh recording for sure but touring is way more fun um you just get to go to different cities all the time yeah. and see people that you otherwise don't get to see we're looking forward to seeing you guys sound in the uk Oh yeah, man. I I hope we get up there. I hope. I mean, I don't think it'll be canceled. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it because we haven't been there in years. I feel like we haven't been there in like four years at this point. Yeah, it looks like I might be having to go out there too because Rue came out to New York. So yeah, I got to hold true. up to my end. Yeah, that's That'd true. Be cool. It'd be it'd be great to see all you guys out there. It'd be crazy. It's yeah. it's a fun place. I mean, I like the UK. I mean, I don't know yeah. much about it, but every time I'm there, I have fun. So yeah, and you guys have like five dates, I think. So. And I mean, yeah, the UK is a small right. place, so you'll, yeah. I'm sure you'll have some opportunity to uh, have a day off or something just to chill out wherever you find yourself. Yeah, we always get one day. Yeah, I'm sure. Bristol, I think, well, I know Bristol is a very nice place. Mm. I'm told Manchester's great, but being from the South, <laughs> I don't like the North. That's just kind of what you have to do to be British. Uh, uh, is hate those who aren't like you. <laughs> I, I, think I, can, uh, I think I can manage that. America's pretty good at that too. Yeah, that's how it goes. But yeah, it's going to be great to see you, and uh, yeah, we're really, really looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah, me too. I yeah, I don't know what we're going to be playing at that point, but I'm really looking forward to whatever that set list will be. I'm sure it'll be a lot of fun for us. So yeah, well, thank you for coming on. Thanks for coming on the Dear Apparition podcast. Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Quarantine edition, even though quarantine edition is the exact same thing as normal Dear Apparition <laughs> podcast, because <laughs> we always we always <laughs> practice social distancing from hundreds of miles away. Yeah, I mean, I don't. If I'm in the same room as Hunter, I'm pretty sure I'm going to pop. Well, we always appreciate talking to you, Nick. It's always always a good time, and I love hanging out with you at shows and stuff. So hopefully, uh, hopefully, it won't be too long before I get to see you guys again. Any uh, any way you can lend a hint as to when that might be? Or uh, U.S. shows is yeah. what you're asking for. Yeah. Is there, uh, is there anything on the horizon? You know, there was definitely talk of doing something around the time of the uh, the U.K. stuff, but. Um, the, the the coronavirus thing is really messed up. I mean, obviously, we're expecting it would be over by by the time September, October, November rolls around. But the problem is, is now you have like every band in the world that's looking to book shows for September, October, November. Yeah. So it's going to be really tough for us to even book a venue. So I don't I don't know if we're going to be able to do anything. So it's like we can either maybe play a few shows or maybe we can somehow miraculously get a whole thing booked, but. I think we're more than likely just going to have to wait because the, uh, I suspect there's going to be like, I, I think in the fall, you're going to be able to see a lot of great shows. <laughs> there's going to be every artist in the world is going to be booking shows in the fall. Yeah. So. Everyone's trying to recoup their losses from all these canceled tours. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. But, uh, it's okay. We'll figure it out. Well, cer- certainly don't be a stranger, man. If you ever want to come on again, you know, we're always here for you. We love having a chat. Well, and, thank uh, you. I'm sure everyone, everyone loves to hear from you. So, Guys, I will uh, absolutely talk to you soon. Yeah, if you guys want, you can find you can find Nick on Instagram at Nick Solicito, I believe. And uh, yeah, you can go listen to the Deer Hunter and Board with Four. 
Yes. And and the Empire Shall Fall. And the Empire Shall Fall. I think that's something we're all going to do our homework on. And okay. definitely check out the Make Your Words podcast too. That's, that's there for your listening pleasure. Yeah, these guys are hysterical. I mean, you, you guys are really good at bantering with each other. And I think that's what everyone enjoyed so much about uh, those Fasio Satio tours is that you guys are just, you have such great... Uh, kind of banter with each other so i'm i'm really looking forward to what you guys come out with next <laughs> yeah we'll uh we'll see hopefully it uh hopefully it remains funny so you could also find all of our information and everything over at dearapparitionpodcast.com oh and and we have our uh, subreddit that we just started up uh r slash uh dear apparition podcast we have a new subreddit yes Ooh. we do so if nice. you want because uh, we have we have a lot of guests lined up and a lot of uh, ideas on the horizon so if you want to keep yeah so just to give you guys an idea we did a uh, so we're sticking to the uh, episode every two weeks and we looked at the roadmap where we're, we're doing so we're doing an album guest album guest and each album is pertaining to the guests we're having on and if we stick to that format we have about nine more months of material planned yeah we have some really great guests lined up i don't want to blow our load too quick on that but trust me it's it's really exciting stuff yeah i know just before the show i was telling them about a, a really good guest that i managed to just grab so do you do you want to um, tease it no i don't uh-huh. it, it, I, it's such it's such a like indefinite thing right now it's a, it's a confirmed but it's not like an a yeah. when so i want to wait until i have more information that i can reveal but be sure to stay tuned and also yes. uh, as soon as this whole thing boils over uh merch is going to happen so that's going to be a thing. So keep an eye out for the Dear Apparition podcast. And we have uh, what we think are really exciting things coming up. So we appreciate you guys listening. Also, final show. Sorry. Uh, around this time <laughs> when this comes out, there's going to be a new single from my band Delicious out called Forsaken Gates. Hopefully, if it's done being mixed, it's going to be out around now or like the next week after this comes out. So check that out. I love you all. And I've got to, I've got to say before before we sign off that Steve's band Elisions is unironically very very good. Like even Thank if you. he wasn't my friend, it's fucking it's really really good. So if you guys get a chance, they have uh, what do you have two singles out now or just the one? We have Umbra three O M B R E Roman numeral three, and then Forsaken Gates is our next one. Both of these tracks actually feature Nigel on it. Nigel's going to be on the intro for Forsaken Gates because yeah. we didn't have the rights to Dexter's Laboratory. <laughs> Okay. Well, so, I, I definitely recommend Elisions. They they are making fucking awesome music, and uh, I say that as a genuine fan. So, well, thank you so much, Nick, for coming on. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, cheers, man. Thank it you. It was a wonderful time, and we we will see you guys next time on the Dear Operation Podcast. Yes, we love you all. Good night or good day. I don't know. <laughs> good whatever. <laughs> <laughs> see ya. See ya. Later, guys. <laughs>